0: And now, Lawrence Gregory will come, the message after the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, good afternoon, everyone. The holy days are over for this year. And ahead is almost three months of autumn and three months of winter until the spring holy days start over again next year with Passover. Now, during the past couple of weeks, we've been rejoicing before God and each other for eight days during the Feast of Tabernacles. We had our last solemn closing and final meeting on the eighth day, the last great day of the Feast of Tabernacles, portraying the Great White Throne Judgment. The Great White Throne Judgment finishes the purpose of God in His plan of salvation for man as shown through the full round of the annual Holy Days, from Passover to the last great day in the fall. Now, ahead of us, after the Feast of Tabernacles, is the next six months. How are we going to do for the next six months? Those experiences that we're going to have. In Job, the 17th chapter, and verse 9, Job is expressing his feelings at the afflictions that he was suffering, some from man, some from God. But he says some very positive things here. And just one of them in verse 9 of Job 17, verse 9. The righteous also shall hold on his way, and he that has clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. I want to call our attention to three things here and one of those is that the righteous also shall hold on his way. Now I don't know if his way is a reference to God's way or if it's a reference to the way of the individual that is righteous. But what's most important is that this individual is holding, that is, he is maintaining, he is staying, he is continuing in that right way. And he that has clean hands, so this individual is righteous, keeping the commandments of God and it is identified as a person that has clean hands and of course we know other references to a person that has a clean heart. Notice it, this person shall be stronger and stronger this person is growing in grace and in knowledge not quitting not drifting back not giving up not taking a time out not drawing back and et cetera and et cetera and et cetera the negative descriptions of a person that is just drifting but a person that is going forward that is getting stronger and stronger in this life, in character, and in God's righteousness. Now, in the New Testament, in Romans, let's go to the second chapter, of Romans. Read a long sentence of uh, Paul's here. He sure writes, long sentences, of a number of verses. And it's hard to break into, the sentence, even though there's a couple of things, that I want us to focus on here. But, Romans second chapter 5 through 11. But, continuing on from the previous context, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, this is where I want to come to, verse 6, who will render to every man according to his deeds, both good and bad, To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. So this is the positive thing. Those who are patiently and continuing in this way, regardless of the circumstances and the situation, the rewards and the blessings are going to be there for those who are seeking for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. But, contrary to that, and contrasted, and we'll just continue here, because it's in the, in the uh, sentence here. But unto them that are contentious, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish, upon every soul of man, that doeth evil, of the Jew first, and also of the Gentiles. But, coming back to the positive, contrasting, but glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile, for there is no respect of persons with God. So, contrasted, and I my focus not today so much on the negatives and the Uh, character faults of an individual but on the positive things on the honor and peace and glory and the good works and the good deeds to everyone and the positive rewards of what they're going to receive and when I say they I mean us included in with that let's go back to uh, Isaiah the 40th chapter in uh, Old Testament Isaiah 40 begin here in verse 25, he's repeating some, contrary to the idolatrous worship of individuals and the contrary ways of man and the temporary uh, existence of man and the physical things. We'll just pick it up here in verse 25. To whom then will you liken me, or shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and behold who has created these things that bring out their host by number. He calleth them all by names by the greatness of his might. For that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Thank God the moon hasn't failed. The sun hasn't failed. The universe hasn't failed. Now, I know there's coming and going of, uh, according to God's plan and His upholding and maintenance of some of the stars, but they don't fail before their time. And uh, if you look at the Hebrew and trace out the word that is mustering, that is a call, that is responsibility and duty, everything that God created in the physical, now we're, we're looking at the physical creation here, has a purpose and He sustains and He upholds it until it's in His plan to change or alter it. And we know he has a plan and a purpose to do some altering and changing and cleansing of this uh, physical universe that he's made. To create a new heaven and a new earth. That's, that's part of some of the things maybe we looked at during recently during our Feast of Tabernacles. Why say you, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? That the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. And so showing a contrast here between the physical things and God himself who is superior, who made and created all of those things. That he is never weak and indistinct and giving up and quitting. What if God just says, I've had it even though he's, he's, he's come to the point pretty close sometimes. I've had it with man. I'm, gonna ch- I'm just going to wipe them all out, and I'm not going to do anything about it. And, and, and even the righteous and the good would just be liber- uh, obliterated. And if God changes his mind and says, I quit, I give up, I, you know, I'm going to stop doing good and stop being right. And, uh, you know, evil uh, weakness sounds a lot better than uh, maybe struggling and keeping and maintaining A standard of righteousness. We can thank God that He is as He is. And there's none like Him and none equal to Him. But we who are wanting to be like Him and taking on His nature and our hope and expectation is to be like Him in the Spirit. Perfected finally. He gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Here again, contrasted to human nature, young people that fall, but the righteous, but, verse 33, but, verse 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And so contrasting and showing the positive of the righteous compared to the negative of the weak and of the uh, physical and of the uh, young who you would expect would be strong and mighty and enduring. And, but quite often, even they get discouraged and they quit and they give up in some of their things that they're doing that's right and good. But we're not to be like that. Do you remember, just listen to this. Remember some of these verses? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Thou God seest me. The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. Thou art with me. The Lord thinketh on me. We know many, many positive scriptures throughout the the Bible that gives us hope and correction and enlightens us and inspires us and stirs us to better action. Paul was the same. Let's look in uh, Philippians here, the fourth chapter and verse 19 of Philippians. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God will supply all of our need. Now, I know in uh, returning back to the feast here, uh, we have different things ahead of us. Some are poor, some are rich, some are facing problems and difficulties and discouragement, maybe a loss of a job. Maybe car problems, house problems, all kinds of things. But God has promised to supply all our need and to bless us and to be with us. And so we can have hope and encouragement in that. Now, I don't know about your location uh, this year, uh, not being there, but at our location. And as I can remember, over uh, 52 Feast of Tabernacles closing, last ceremony, and the last song that we sing, God be with you till we meet again. And a lot of teary eyes and teary hearts and uh, emotional uh, memories there as people leave the feast not seeing one another again and knowing that They're leaving such a wonderful, glorious time that they've been having forgetting everything back home and all this for eight wonderful days and the great blessings. And so heading home, you know, the closer a person gets to home, the more uh, comfortable and the more encouraged they look to be at home in the physical things, knowing, though, that they're going to be facing trials and tests and problems and difficulties ahead. Some may be facing uh, very uh, severe times ahead. But listen, let's go back. Remember the last great day, the solemn assembly. That means the final and closing. And I want us to remember that all of us, all of them in the millennium, all of they in the last great white throne judgment, when it's all finished and that hundred years period is over, and God has wrapped up his plan of salvation for mankind and it's all finished, we and they are not going to be looking back with regret and joy and tears of sorrow and memories. We're going to be looking forward to a time that is ahead, to the glorious, wonderful future that is ahead of us and the vision that we have and should have of what's ahead of us, of the time that is uh, tabernacling and, and uh, being with God forever, not in the flesh. Not just going back to our physical problems, our physical home and remembering those things, but looking ahead with anticipation to all eternity ahead with God. Now, I have two scriptures that go together and we'll read those. Uh, The first one is uh, 1 Corinthians 2nd chapter and uh, Romans 8.28. Let me get uh, that one also, Romans... Eight First, we know this. Scripture in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. Verse 9. Uh, it's actually verse 9 uh, instead of, of verse uh, 6. Mm-hmm. But, as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him and then we skip over to Romans 8:28 and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose Now you've heard me say so many times that God has a great purpose and that purpose is to bring many sons unto glory. And then He has a plan. Well, He has other purposes as well, but His major overriding purpose is the salvation of mankind. And His plan and how He's going to achieve that is shown to us by the holy days that are uh, throughout the year from Passover to the last great day. What a wonderful time ahead, brethren. We... I don't know. I don't know what's ahead. You don't know. We can't imagine some fantastic work ahead in this universe that He's created. Now we've gone through a week of 7,000 years, one day for a year, uh, 1,000 years as Peter says. Now we're into the 8th of the 7th, the connection between the Last Great Day and the Feast of Tabernacles and the similarity But when that is over and finished, then spiritually, as God continues on into that next cycle, what's ahead? I don't know. I I can't imagine. Can't Can't figure it out. But it's going to be something wonderful and marvelous, isn't it? Some great purpose and great plan that's ahead. Now, in Revelation, the second chapter and the third chapter, Ron mentioned one thing about those uh, messages that Jesus had to the seven churches, but there's something else that reoccurs and it repeats in every one of those church congregations, regardless of their content of character, their problems, their difficulties, the positive, the good things. In Revelation, the second chapter, four times in verse uh, 7, 11, 17, and 36. We'll just read this first one. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches, and the rest of the verse, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God four times in Revelation, the second chapter, to those first four churches, three times in chapter three, of the last three of those churches, is the same promise mentioned. To him that overcometh. And then the eighth time, here in Revelation 21, verse 7, read that. Interesting. Revelation 21, verse 7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God and he shall be my son. So I want us to focus on two things. Number one is the overcoming. Now, this Greek word overcome normally and generally is translated from the Hebrew word from the Greek word Nakao, and it's a law term that means to prevail, to conquer, to subdue, to overcome to gain the victory. And then in the chapter 21 of verse 7, the eighth time that's used here is the Greek word Nike. And the Nikeo comes from and is a root from from the base word Nike. Nike Nike however is pronounced in the Greek. Now, it's interesting in our US government, our military, the defense, we have the Nike missiles and they identify that Nike missile, is, its purpose and objective is to seek out and to destroy the enemy. We call them Nike missiles, and you're familiar with that. It's the same Greek word, N-I-K-E, Nike or Nike, however, it's, however they pronounce that in Greek. And it means victory, conquest, the means of success. So we're expected by Jesus Christ to be victorious, to conquer to overcome, and that's our mission in the past, in the present, and in the future. So for the next six months, brethren, we want to be overcomers. We want to be growing. We want to be stronger. We want to be using the dead of winter and the downtime and the, the, in the midst of all the things that are facing us, and we don't know what's ahead in our nation, in our congregation, in our life in the church of God, in the world, there's a lot of things going on, isn't there? And we don't know what's ahead of us. But we know with God's help, we can be an overcomer and we can stay and we can hold and stay fast in this way of righteousness. And if we do that, and if we're an overcomer to the end, we will inherit all things with God. Whatever, and and, you know... The wonderful things of this life and the creation and the things that we can experience and all of the wonderful things in this flesh, it's great and it's good. But this is just a little bit at the beginning. What's ahead of us is, we just can't imagine it. It's something wonderful and glorious and we want to be there. Because all the rewards and all the promises and the yeas, Are to the overcomers, to the victorious, to the conquerors, to those who gain the conquest, those who battle and put down the flesh and the world and the devil and all those things that are coming against us. Matthew, the 10th chapter. Verse 22, this is in his commission to the disciples as he sent them out to preach. Call them apostles and sent them out and gave them a charge. But we'll just break into verse 22. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. You know, I think we're beginning to realize and see this scripture here worked out more and more than maybe we could even realize before. Not only is the name of America being hated, an American, but a Christian, and the world is coming against us more and more, and they're being more bold and speaking out against the disciples of Jesus Christ, against Christians. but whatever, in spite of that. But, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. He that endureth to the end. Now, this Greek word here is hupomeno, and it means to abide under, to bear up courageously under suffering, bear up patiently, to remain in a place instead of leaving it to persevere to remain in a place instead of leaving it to persevere endurance long suffering as I've said before all of the positive rewards go to the overcomer not to the person that just drifts and gives up some of the many lessons that we considered at the Feast of Tabernacles perhaps in your a feast site was, of course, the meaning of tabernacling with God temporarily and permanently. Having a vision of that eternal temple that God is building and our part in it and He and, and what's happening in that great temple of God. Keeping our eyes on the true destination of our salvation as different sermons perhaps followed some of those themes. Of offering ourselves to God as we offer our physical things, of offering ourselves in different ways to God. Of the lessons of looking back to the exodus, as we're told in uh, Leviticus at the Feast of Tabernacles, to look back to the exodus to learn lessons of the good and bad of the uh, wilderness experience of the children of Israel. You know, Without that old, old Testament experiences of Israel and um, uh, things that happen in, in uh, those books, first five books, and uh, in Kings and Samuel and Chronicles, we'd be at a loss of a lot of good examples to help us in our character development in, in New Testament times, wouldn't we, if we didn't have all those illustrations of what to avoid and of what to emulate. And so there's wonderful lessons back there. And so at the Feast of Tabernacles, we look back, as we're instructed to, to remember those lessons from the exodus. But we also look forward and prefigure the time that's ahead of us. Uh, the Holy Days that are coming now uh, exemplified by the seventh month of Tabernacles and Atonement and uh, Millennium and the last great uh, day, uh, the Great White Throne Judgment as those uh, are identified. And so, there are many lessons that we've been reviewing and rehearsing and learning at the Feast of Tabernacles and so we have inspiration, we have encouragement, we're on a high, we're all pumped up and we have uh, come back supercharged for the challenges that are ahead of us for the coming year. But then like a slap in the face, we have reality that's facing us of some of the things of this physical life that's going on. And the great blessing that I've already said before is that when we have achieved that salvation and when God has completed and finished Wrapped up his salvation with mankind the last great day. When that's over and we're all spirit beings and all headed out to do whatever the work is that God is going to give us to do. What a challenging, wonderful time that is um, ahead of us. In Matthew, back up here, to, oh, continue on I guess to the 14th chapter. And verse 16. Now this is about uh, the disciples that followed Jesus. He departed and he went out into uh, uh, the uh, wilderness desert place. And the multitudes followed him. We know there were, besides the disciples, we see a little later here, about 5,000 people that followed him out there. And so they'd been with him all day. And when evening came, uh, verse 15 And when it was evening, and his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. They've been all day out here, no food. Let them go scrounge in the villages around and get some food because they've been out here all day. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give you them to eat. And they say unto him, Well, we've got just five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them here to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed. And he broke, and he gave the loaves to his disciples. And the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Eight or 10,000 people there or more. And he fed them off of just those little bitty fishes and loaves of bread. Now, here's what I wanted to share with us. Just two things here is, number one, Jesus said, They need not depart. You know... A lot of folks think they've got to get away from Jesus, they've got to get away from the church, I, I, I've got to work on the Sabbath, I've, I've got to do this, I, I can't do that anymore, I'm tired of keeping those commandments. I've, heard, I've had ministers tell me, I'm so glad, a minister, who's not with us any longer, but a minister told me one time, I'm so glad to get out from under those Ten Commandments and that law of God. And we know as we have been in this way for many years, the temptations and challenges that come against us to cause us to turn away to turn aside and we will know this there is nothing and no reason that we ever need to depart from Jesus always stay connected with him always stay with him always follow along with him and he will meet and supply our needs now this lesson illustration is put in here not just for an interesting story but it's to help us understand. You know what? It doesn't matter what the experience is or what we're facing. God can supply our need. He can meet it. He will be there with it. If we will stay with Him, He'll stay with us. If we never leave Him, He'll never leave us. Oh yeah, as as Job and others and Jesus Himself experienced horrible things in life and a horrible death and on that cross, and you've heard me explain before when he said that from Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm not explaining that. But the ending verses of Psalm 22 tells us in the middle, chap- middle verses of what he was looking for and experiences and how he was experiencing that experience on the cross and what was going on around him as others were there looking at him. But for the concluding verses, you see the vision that he had, the hope beyond was the millennial time ahead and the glorious time ahead and the and the kingdom of God and being alive again. That wasn't the end. He knew that physical, horrible death on the cross, that wasn't the end of it. There was a better life, a new life, a great life ahead. And he persevered and thank God he held to it and he bore our and he went through that. Even though he was tempted to give it up and quit and... But he always said, not my will, but yours, Father. And he went through. And we can be so thankful that he persevered. And so we never need to depart from him. No matter what our wants are, our circumstances. uh, No matter what our heart pleasure is. Whatever excitement that might be out in the world. And I know sometimes people say, "Well, you know, I haven't lived. I want to go out and experience life in the world. And and young people say, I'm throttled in that church. And No, there's never anything so important or good or such a need that we might have that would ever cause us to depart from Jesus Christ. They need not depart, give you them to eat. And they were blessed. And the example and the illustration is there. So I'm trying to encourage us, brethren, as the next six months... How many of us are going to continue on and stay and grow? I see some hands going up. That's good. I I wasn't calling for a hand showing because I didn't want to put anybody, but maybe I ought to do that. Put us all on the spot and make a commitment. I'm going to be there. I'm going to continue on. I'm going to grow. Uh, There's going to be a lot of appealing, a lot of difficulties, a lot of trials and tests, and we're tempted to throw in the towel and uh, do all of that, but... Brethren, it's it's not going to be worth it to to go away from such a wonderful future and a destiny that's ahead of us. Uh, I'm going to close with uh, Jude, the first, 24th, and 25th verses. Jude a servant of Jesus Christ, a, a humble man because he was actually the brother of Jesus, and brother of James because he mentioned he was the brother of James, uh, one of the brothers of Jesus. Jesus had four brothers. James was one of them and Jude was one of them. Uh, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, and called. So, Called. We're so fortunate and blessed in this life that God has looked down and called us. And I know one of our brothers in uh, Canada, in the church, we, we had a lot of fun with him because he said, I don't know why God called me. And we agreed with we don't know why God called him either. <laughs> so we kind of threw that back at him during the feast. We don't know why God called you. <laughs> but he did. It's limited and is special and select and a few. One of these days, the invitation is thrown open. Whosoever will may come. And when we're there and we're saying, manifesting ourselves to help them, this is the way, walk in it. Let me show you, let me tell you in family and friends and reunited. You know, there's coming a time when there's not going to be any more reunion because everybody. That is saved will be saved, and everybody that is unsaved will be gone and dead and not exist. And billions, perhaps. Billions. What, a, what, a, what, a, what is God's plan? What's He going to do with a billion people? Billions of people. I don't know. And if you know, tell me. <laughs> Maybe I'll get excited about it. What a wonderful time that's ahead of us and them and they and all of us when it's all over and finished. Not something we cry about and tears and look back and weep about, but tears of joy. Now in Jude, his final closing doxology, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Every one of us here could probably say, I don't know why God called me in my human failings. Yeah, I want to be good and I want to be righteous and and I'm struggling and overcoming and I'm trying to look like God and be in his image of character and it's taking a lot of time and and maybe I'll make it one day, but just think when he with joy is going to present us to the Father, this is, this is my son, this is my daughter, this is my sister, this is my brother. They made it and thank God that Jesus will do that for us. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Amen. Now, in closing, a couple of comments here. Brethren, I speak to myself. I speak to every one of us here. Let's guard ourselves against a letdown. Let's keep the good memory of the 2012 Feast of Tabernacles experience alive to fortify us with God's help for the months ahead. After the Feast of Tabernacles is over, we have six months till the spring, until the Passover, and those days start again, and we continue on growing stronger and stronger and mightier and closer to that wonderful, glorious time when we're going to be tabernacling with God forever.